And welcome to Easter Liberty. We are honored that you're here today. We want to welcome our online crowd that's joining us this morning. And we want to grab a great big shout out today to our Holly Pond campus. Come on, let's welcome this morning our Holly Pond campus. We love you guys. We're so proud of you. Amen. Amen. What an awesome day. One campus, I mean, one church, one vision, multiple locations, and we are so excited. So we love you guys, and uh, we want to welcome you this morning. Today we are going to celebrate today as we do every Sunday, but today in a special way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are literally celebrating today through his resurrection, the foundation stone of our faith. It is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that literally is the foundation stone of our faith upon which we literally build our lives. And Jesus said it this way. He said, if you build your life on the rock, then your life will stand. Amen? It'll stand the winds and the waves and the adversities of life. And I want to just say to you today, I believe one of the greatest testimonies that we have as believers in Jesus Christ is that we have a rock-solid faith. A rock-solid faith that in the midst of the winds and the waves and the storms and the adversities of life, that we just continue to stand and keep on standing and keep on standing and keep on standing for Jesus Christ. That we refuse to waver and we refuse to bend and we refuse to bow to the pressures and adversities of this world. I believe that is one of the things that causes an unbelieving world to stand up and take notice of a belief believing church when we stand in the midst of adversity. And today I'm very excited because this message that we're going to begin today entitled Brand New is really a foundation stone of our faith. And not only are we going to learn some things today that are going to be foundational for what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, but we're literally going to learn some foundational truth today from Scripture that if you will build your life on it, you will create a rock-solid faith in your heart and your life that will empower you and me to stand and continue to stand. And it all comes back to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul actually went so far as to say this. He said, if Christ has not risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. And if Christ has not risen from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. And if Christ has not risen from the dead, then our lives are literally being lived in vain for nothing. But how many of you realize today it's not in vain? Amen? We are not living in vain. We are not believing in vain. We are not preaching in vain. Why? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? And you might say, well, Pastor Keith, how do I really know that? How do I really know that Jesus Christ has resurrected, that he has been raised from the dead? I don't know how you know it, but let me tell you how I know it. I know that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Lord and Savior of all humanity because when I was 15 years old, he raised me to life. When I was 15 years old, I went from being dead to being alive, from being blind to where I could see, to being lost where I was found. And the resurrected Christ raised my heart and my life to brand new life in God when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. How do I know the resurrected Christ is resurrected? Because he resurrected me. 
How about you? Anybody in here today been resurrected by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? If you don't know that, if you've never experienced that, my prayer is that today is your day, that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ would resurrect every heart and every life into brand new life in Jesus Christ. Because that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to establish something brand new. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, he was literally declaring that everything that needed to be done to fulfill the old covenant was done so that he could establish something that would be brand new. That Jesus literally ushered in something into humanity that had literally never existed before. Never existed before. And Jesus, through his death and through his resurrection, established something brand new. And today, we're going to talk about that brand new covenant that he established with us, with God, so that we could know him. So I want you to look with me in Hebrews chapter 8 today. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 through 13, the Bible says this. It says, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, I want you to notice that, God found fault with the people. He said, the day is coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Y'all say that with me. New. Let's say it one more time. I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. And this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. Look at that. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant. Say it with me. This is the that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. Look at verse 12. And I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again, I love that little phrase, and I will never again remember their sins. And when God speaks, verse 13, of a new covenant, it means that he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Today, as I just said, I want to share with you what I really believe to be a foundational truth of Christianity that you and I literally can and should build our lives on. So look at that first point on your outline. The Old Testament. How many know that your Bible is actually divided into an Old and a New Testament? Did y'all know that? You got the Old Testament and you've got the New Testament, and there are 66 books that make up what we call our Bible. Amen? And so the Old Testament, I want you to see this. The Old Testament was literally God's Old Covenant. And it was an eternal covenant that was established through a temporal system, and that system was created to end. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Keith, how can we have an eternal covenant in a temporal system? Well, let me explain it to you. 
The word testament, let me, let me just say it like this. If you've ever had a loved one that's passed away, sometimes when somebody passes away, we'll ask this little question. We'll say, well, did, did, did they have a will? Y'all ever heard that little statement? Did they have a will? Do you know what the official title of a will is? It's called the last will and testament. So God... In the Old Testament, created an old covenant. It was God's will and testament. Now, how can we have an eternal covenant and a temporal system? This is how. God's will hasn't changed. God's will, God's plan, God's purpose has not changed. In the genesis of time when God created Adam and Eve, God's will for Adam and Eve, listen to this, was that they would have a personal, intimate, eternal relationship with God. His will for mankind in Genesis was that all mankind would have a personal, intimate, eternal relationship with God. Now, when you flip to the back of the book, the book of Revelations, you find out God's will hadn't changed. It is still God's will that every man and every woman would have a personal, intimate, eternal relationship with God. The will of God hasn't changed. But the process or the system through which God ministers His will did change. In the Old Testament, God established His eternal covenant through a temporal system, and we're going to recognize that system was called the law. And in the New Covenant, God establishes His eternal covenant through an eternal system that will last forever, and that eternal system is His Son, Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, God established His will. I want all men, all women, all boys, all girls to have a personal, intimate, eternal relationship with me. That is the will of God for all humanity, and God's will has not changed. But under the Old Testament or under the Old Covenant, God implemented the law. And the law would become a temporal system that would bring us to Christ. The purpose of the law as we're going to see today, was not to declare us righteous. The purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ who would ultimately save us and bring us into God's eternal covenant through His death and His resurrection. Look with me in Hebrews 13. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified, sealed, established an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will, and may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. You and I need to understand today that everything that God wants to do in your life, everything that God wants to give you, bless you, prosper you, and position you with, all of it now comes through Jesus Christ. It is through Christ that God has ratified an eternal covenant, and it is in Him and it is through Him that God accomplishes His will, that God fulfills His pleasure, and that God gives us everything that we need. Nothing comes to us from God today apart from Christ. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life, right? And no man comes to the Father except through Him. Now, why is this important? It's important because if you're going to live a New Testament Christian life, you can't live a New Testament Christian life under an Old Testament mentality. You can't live a New Testament Christian life 
under a Old Testament mentality. Because if you live a New Testament Christian life under a Old Testament mentality, you're going to frustrate the grace of God that was intended to liberate you, that was intended to free you, that was intended to empower you, that was intended to connect you to every good thing that God has. And so today what we're going to see is that Jesus through his death and his resurrection, as Hebrews says, established that new covenant that the old one would pass away. Jesus fulfilled the law, right? He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. What did he do? He fulfilled the law, brought it to completion so he could then establish a brand new covenant so that me and you could have a personal intimate, eternal relationship with God through Jesus' death and his resurrection. So today we're going to kind of contrast the old and the new covenant. And we're going to see today literally some foundational things that will change your Christian life. Amen? So look with me at that next point. So the old covenant, or really the old covenant system, was established by the law. But the new covenant system is established by grace and truth. Look with me in John chapter 1, verse 14 and 17. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among them. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, speaking of Christ, the Bible says, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the Father. And guess what He showed us? That He was full of grace and truth. Amen? Now look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The old covenant was established by the law. The law of Moses was the vehicle through which God's old covenant was established. And everything under the law, think about it like this, everything that you receive from God in the Old Testament came through the law. It came through the rules and regulations of the law. You were either blessed or you were either cursed based on the law. And many of you that are here today, we got a lot of uh, different uh, kind of levels of Christians in the room today, but many of you uh, that have been saved for a little while, you're kind of familiar with Deuteronomy 28. Anybody know Deuteronomy 28? Deuteronomy 28 is one of them awesome chapters, right? The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28, God declares this astounding blessing. He says, you're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be the top and not the bottom. You're going to be the first and not the last. Whatever you do will prosper, and you're going to have good success. I'm going to bless you when you go in, and I'm going to bless you when you go out. You're going to lend, and you're not going to borrow, and I'm going to raise you up above, and above everyone and anything else in your life. And for 14 verses, God declares the blessing of the Lord upon those who obey the law. And for the next 44 verses, God declares the curse that he's going to bring on those who break the law. 14 verses of blessing, 44 verses of curses that are going to come on those who break the law. Under the Old Testament, everything you received, good or bad, came as a result of the rules and regulations of the law. But under the New Covenant, we're no longer under the law, but the New Covenant is now established by the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. 
Everything that we now receive from God through Jesus comes by grace. The unmerited, unearned favor of God. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it, but he gives it anyway. Right? God saves you not because you deserve to be saved, but because he had grace and mercy upon you. God delivers you not because you deserve it, but because of his grace and mercy upon you. God heals you. God prospers you. God blesses you. God redeems you. God rescues you. God restores you. Why? Because of the grace of God that is poured out upon your life. And everything now that we receive from God through Christ comes by grace. We don't earn it. We don't merit it. I hear so many Christians that are so confused, and this is what I'm saying. If you're going to live a new Christian life, a New Testament Christian life, you can't live it under an old covenant mentality. I hear so many Christians begging God to bless them. Why are you begging for something he's already freely given? Why are you begging for something he's already paid for? Why are you begging God? You're not a beggar. You're a believer. You're not a, you're not a homeless person on the street. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are a child of the King. But if you don't understand that, you'll try to live a New Testament Christian life with an Old Testament mentality, and you'll frustrate the grace of God that God intended to bring life and liberty and blessing to you. So everything under the new covenant comes by grace. We don't earn it. We don't merit it. We don't work for it. It is free. It's free. And everything comes by grace. God doesn't give it to us because we deserve it. He gives it to us because he is gracious and merciful, and he pours out his love and his blessing on us. And here's the good news about the grace of God. Jesus, the Bible says, became a curse so that the blessing of God could come upon us. See, we can stand on Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 through 14, because Jesus has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, exceedingly abundantly above, more than we could ask or think, and we can reject every curse. Why? Because he became a curse for us, not because we deserved it, but because he desired to do it for us. And now the blessing of God, not the curse of sin, is poured out on us, and we can freely receive by grace. Every good thing that God has promised to us. Grace and truth. What is truth? Truth, hear this, truth is not the law. Truth is the revelation of who God is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was the physical manifestation or revelation of the Father. Truth is the revelation of God. Truth is the revelation of who you are in God. Truth is the revelation of what God wants to do for you. Deuteronomy also tells us this. It also says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. Everything we receive now comes by grace, unmerited favor, and by truth, the revelation of God. And what is revealed, you receive. You want to know why you ought to read your Bible? Because what is revealed, you receive. You want to know why you ought to come to church? Because what is revealed, you receive. You want to know why you ought to pray and worship? Because what is revealed is received. What is revealed is received. And now we receive by grace and truth the revelation of God. I remember, I'm so thankful, I remember there was a moment in my life when I got the revelation that God is good, always good, and always for me. 
I remember when I got that revelation, and it changed my life. Because when I realized that God is good and God is for me and God is not against me, right? God's not against me. Did you know that? God's not against you. God's not against you. Jesus died to redeem you. God is for you. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it was that revelation that God is for me and not against me that changed my life. Because I meet so many Christians, so many Christians, every time something bad happens, why is God doing this to me? Why is God doing this to me? What did I ever do to you, God? Why is God doing this to me? You know what that is? That's an Old Testament mentality trying to be lived out under a New Testament grace, and it just don't work. You frustrate the grace of God. You short-circuit the work that God wants to do. Why? Because you are trying to earn what Jesus has fully purchased to give you freely. And it is that revelation, grace and truth, the unmerited favor of God and the revelation of God and the revelation of who you are in God and the revelation of what God wants to do for you and through you in God that changes your life. And it is through grace and truth that we now receive what God has for us. Now look at that next point. Under the old covenant, that old covenant system was based on our works. The new covenant is based upon our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Under the old covenant, we earned his favor. We earned his blessing. We had to perform in order to be right with God. Under the new covenant, test, under the new covenant we now access everything that God has for us through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not the works of our flesh, but faith in Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter 3. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God, listen to this, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. And people are made right with God when they what? Believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and was shedding his blood. Look at verse 28. It says, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. And there is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jew or whether they are Gentile. Verse 28, we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Under the old covenant, it was a works-based mentality. I had to earn the blessing and favor of God. Under the new covenant, it is now a faith-based mentality. I don't earn it. I believe and have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not my works. It's his work. And let me just say this to you today. There is nothing you can do to add to or take away from what Jesus has already done. There's nothing you can do to add to or take away from what Jesus has already done. And how prideful and how arrogant we are to somehow think that our little good deed is going to be more pleasing to God than Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. 
Oh, you mean you bought somebody's lunch at McDonald's today and now God's really excited about that? Oh, he's more excited about you paid it forward at McDonald's than he is excited about the death of his son on a bloody cross to bear the sins of the world and to purchase your redemption and your salvation. You mean God is getting more fired up and excited about you paying it forward at McDonald's than he is about his son's brutal death on the cross, sacrifice for all the sins of the world, and triumphantly rising again from the dead? How arrogant and proudful we are to think that any good deed we can do can add to what Jesus has already done and how arrogant and foolish we are to think that any sin that we can commit can detract from what Jesus has already done. You're not made right with God because you do good. You're not made right with God. You're not made unright with God because you do evil. We are all sinners born separated from God. And the only way to be made right with God is through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor Keith, aren't you afraid if we tell people that kind of truth, you know, they'll just go out and live all kind of sinful, uh, horrible lives? Are you crazy? Have you ever had somebody love you so radically? so unconditionally that they would literally sacrifice their life for you? Have you ever experienced that kind of love? Have you ever experienced the kind of love that will go the extra mile over and over again and lay down and lay down and lay down their life for you? Have you ever experienced that kind of unconditional, sacrificial love that God showed on the cross when he gave his son Jesus to die as a sacrifice for our sins? Let me tell you what I know about temporal love. When my wife loves me unconditionally and shows me the compassion and love of God, you know what I want to do? I don't want to go out and cheat on her. I want to be loyal and faithful to her. I want to honor her. I want to celebrate her. I want to give life to her. Why? Because that's what love does. The love of God compels us to give back to the one that died for us. See, the truth is many people are living sinful, callous, casual Christian lives because they're trying to operate under a law-based mentality instead of the revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He established a brand new covenant. No longer the works of my flesh, now by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Look at that next part. The old covenant declares us guilty of sin, but the new covenant forgives us, declares us righteous, and empowers us to live victorious over sin. Romans 3 says this, Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose, look at this, here's the purpose of the law. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. To show that the entire world is guilty before God. Look at verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. What? You mean being a good person ain't going to get me there? No one, look what it says, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The old covenant declares us guilty. There was an eternal covenant set in a temporal system, and the purpose of that temporal system was not to make us righteous. The law doesn't make you righteous. 
Think about it for just a second. The law doesn't make you righteous. You can be a law-abiding citizen and never break the law, and you can still be unholy, and you can be mean, and you can be spiteful, and you can be bitter, and you can be full of resentment, and you can be full, but never break the law and go to jail. Why? Because the law don't make you righteous. According to Scripture, the law declares you guilty. The law simply shows us how sinful we are because God through the law established a standard of right and wrong. Paul also tells us that the law is holy. Even though the law was not intended to make us righteous with God, the law was holy. It was a standard. And God used the law, a temporal system called the law, not to make us righteous, but to declare us guilty. Why? Because until you realize you're a sinner, you don't realize you need a Savior. And we live in a crazy world today where there is a philosophy and a mentality that simply says this, I'm okay and you're okay. Right? I'm going to do what makes me feel good, you do what makes you feel good, and we're all going to be okay. That philosophy and mentality is sending people to hell. Hell is filled with people today that thought they were okay. But I want to tell you something. The purpose of the law is to declare us guilty. The law served its purpose. It brought us all to a place of revelation that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says if you've broken one law, then you're guilty of all of them. So it goes something like this. If you've ever told a lie, then you're a murderer. If you've ever told a lie, you're an adulterer. If you've ever told a lie, you've committed covetousness. If you've ever told a lie, you're blasphemous. If you've ever told a lie, you're an adulterer. If you've broken one law, you're guilty of all of them. That's what the Scripture says. Jesus said if you look at a woman and have lust in your heart toward her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. If you've ever lusted after another person, not only you're an adulterer, you're a murderer. You're a thief. You're a liar. You're a blasphemous idol worshiper. Well, Pastor Keith, I can't believe you say that stuff about me. I can't believe I'd say that either. That's why I didn't. God did. I love you way too much to tell you that, and God loves you way more than I do. He loves you enough to tell you that. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. Why in the world would God do that? God did not give us a law to create an eternal system. God gave us a law to create a temporal system that would bring us to Jesus Christ, that would bring the revelation of sin. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Why? Because there is a right way and there is a wrong way to live my life and there is a heaven and there is a hell and there is a God that reigns supreme over it all. And the law was a temporal system that was intended to declare us guilty. But Jesus established a brand new covenant with God. And through the covenant that we have in Christ, we're not now declared guilty of sin. We are forgiven of sin. Look at 1 John. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess literally means to agree with God. If I agree with God that I have sinned, then God will forgive me of my sin. The only sin you can't be forgiven of is the sin you won't confess and acknowledge. Let me say that again. The only sin you won't be forgiven of is the only sin you won't confess and acknowledge. It's when you agree with God, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. It's then and then alone that you get saved. 
It is that confession. It is that acknowledgement. It is agreeing with God that you are who he says he is, but you can become who he created you to be. I was a sinner, but now I am declared righteous through faith. Look at that next part, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. Not only does the new covenant forgive us, but the new covenant declares us righteous. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are no longer a sinner. You are now the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You have been made right in God's standing. And here's what's awesome about being made right in the standing of God. When you're right with God, you have access to everything that God has for you. It's kind of like in our family, you know, we've got, we've got close family and we've got kind of, you know, a little extended family. And there are some family and there are some friends that you've told, hey, what I've got, you've got. You come on over to the house, what, anything in my refrigerator, just go get it, get you something to drink, get you something to eat. That's okay. You can sit on my couch, you can watch my TV. And then you have other family and friends that you would never say that to. You say, hey, call before you come. Because we're probably not home. Right? When you're right with God, everything God has, you have. His refrigerator's wide open. Everything God has, you have. And the Bible says God declares us right with himself because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. And this is what's exciting about this. We really operate out of, our, out of a place of faith. What you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. If you believe you're a low-down, sorry old sinner, you're never going to get anything right, you're never going to amount to anything, and nothing good ever happens to you, then what you believe is going to dictate how you behave. But if you can begin to believe that you are who God says you are, remember grace and truth, the revelation that I am who God says I am. I am the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Guess what happens when people start believing they're righteous? They don't get arrogant. They get righteous. <laughs> they get humble. They get gracious. They get kind. When you recognize you are the righteousness of God in faith, in, in, righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and you really believe that you have right standing with God, guess what will happen? You'll start doing right. You'll start acting right. You'll start living right. You'll start talking right. You'll start treating people right. Why? Because you will behave based upon what you believe about yourself. And the realization is the reason that many Christians are struggling with a casual Christianity and they're struggling to get victory over sin is because they really don't believe that they are who God says they are. And instead of living under a New Testament covenant, they keep going back to an Old Testament mentality based on performance and works instead of based on grace and truth and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The new covenant forgives us. The new covenant declares us righteous. And the new covenant empowers us to live victorious over sin. Look at Romans 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Why? Because we are forgiven and we are righteous. I'm not condemned. I'm not ashamed. I'm not judged. I'm not guilty. I am forgiven and I am righteous because of what Jesus has done. Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power. Y'all say that with me, the I'll say it one more time, the power. 
The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who, do no, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. The, the old covenant declares us guilty. The new covenant forgives us and declares us righteous and then empowers us to live in victory over sin. How? Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Right? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And God brought an end. Did y'all see that? God brought an end to sin's control over our lives. Why? Because we're forgiven and we are righteous and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You are well able to do what God has called you to do. Why? Because you're forgiven, you're righteous, and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the new covenant. Look at that last point on your outline. Jesus' death and resurrection brought an end to the old covenant and established a brand new covenant so that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to know today you're a whosoever. You and I, we are whosoevers. And the Bible says whosoever believes in him, Jesus, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Why? Because there's a brand new covenant established by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to ask everybody just to bow your heads with me for a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to do two things, and we're going to wrap up today. First thing I want to do is if you're here today and you're a Christian and you know that you are a New Testament believer in Jesus Christ, you've been saved, you've been forgiven, you've been empowered, and you know that you are a child of God, but maybe you recognize today that you've been a New Testament Christian, but you've been living under some Old Testament mentality. And today, you want to shake free of the legalism of the old so you can enjoy the liberty of the new. I want to challenge you today as a New Testament Christian, examine your heart and your life today and this week. And let's ask God, let's pray this prayer together this week. Let's say, God, show me any areas in my life where I've allowed the Old Testament mentality to frustrate the New Testament grace that you want to give me. God, show me those things. And then let's repent of it. And let's fully embrace the grace and truth and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ because you are forgiven, you are righteous, and you are empowered to live for Him. The second thing I want to do, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I realize I've never entered into a New Testament relationship with God.
Maybe you've been in church a long time and maybe you've had a works-based, law-based mentality. You've been trying to do good enough, be kind enough, give enough to somehow earn God's favor or God's grace over your life. I want to just say to you today, you can't earn it because it's already been paid for. And today it's a free gift. Whosoever will believe in Him will not perish. And if you're here today and you say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to enter into that New Testament covenant with God. I want to lay aside anything from my past, and I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. The Bible calls it being saved or being born again. In reality, you're just entering into a brand new life that begins and ends with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want that. I want to be a New Testament believer. And I want to enter into that new covenant that Jesus purchased for me. If that's you, I want you just to stand up right now. Just to stand to your feet all over this building. Just take a simple act of faith and just stand up. I want to enter into that new covenant today. Right now, as people begin to stand, this is your opportunity. Just stand up all over this building. I want to enter into that new covenant. I don't want to live under the law. I don't want to live by works. I want to enter into the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. I want to place my faith today, not in my efforts, but in His finished work. And if that's you, just stand right now. Today I want to enter into that new life in Christ. This is you right now. As people are standing all over the building, we're about to pray. We're going to give you just about 15 more seconds to stand, and then we're going to pray together today. If you want to pray today to accept Christ, then this is your moment. Don't miss this opportunity. As you stand, our ushers are going to come. We're going to slip a little packet in your hand, something for you to take home. We want to help you take those next steps, okay? But if you're standing right now, I want to ask you to say this prayer with me. And I want to ask the entire church to join me today as we pray this prayer. Let's say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins, rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Amen.